Um, we might make a wow. That's loud. We might make a start if people are ready or want to get comfortable. If anyone needs tea or coffee, I think the kettle just boiled, or water, or any other things. Um, before we start, I'd like to acknowledge that we're on stolen land, land of the Wurundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation. Um, I'd like to also acknowledge um, that uh, the genocide of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people is ongoing um, in so-called Australia. And I'd also like to lend our thoughts to the Unanduma community and the family of Walker, who um, passed away earlier this morning. And on, I acknowledge the ongoing destruction, pain uh, caused by a fucking militarised police force that's trash. Um, all cops of bastards, etc., etc. Um, that's all on that matter. Um, I'm going to read a poem, which, funny enough, I it's called 4am, it's by Wyslara Zimborska, who's a great um, Polish poet, and um, I it's called 4am, and I was up at 4am last night and decided that is so funny that um, I need to read this poem, because I was thinking about it at 4am, because it's such a gorgeous uh, thing. Uh, 4am. The hour between night and day, the hour between toss and turn, the hour of 30-year-olds. The hour swept clean for roosters crowing, the hour when the earth takes back its warm embrace. The hour of cool drafts from extinguished stars, the hour of do we vanish too without a trace. Empty hour, hollow, vain, rock bottom of all other hours. No one feels fine at 4am. If ants feel fine at 4am, we're happy for the ants. And let 5am come if we've got to go on living. <laughs> I'd like to welcome James first as our first reader. James Butler is a writer and a PhD candidate at the University of Melbourne, currently living in Nam, Melbourne. Please make them very welcome. <laughs> Hi everyone, um, I'd also like to acknowledge that we're here today on stolen Wurundjeri and Bunurong land, uh, pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. The kind of oral storytelling that I'm about to do, and it happens at literary events everywhere, uh, has a long history in this country that precedes colonisation, I think that's important to remember. Uh, I'm going to read three pieces today, one longer one and two shorter ones. There is a little bit of a content warning. There's some homophobic language and discussion of anorexia and other eating disorders. So if that makes you uncomfortable, feel free to leave or step outside now or any time during my reading. Uh, so the first piece I'm going to read is an, an excerpt from a larger work that's about sex and queer bodies on screen. Uh, it's called Still Bodies Are Always Moving. Photography is an uncertain art as would be were one to attempt to establish such a thing, a science of desirable or detestable bodies. A thirst trap, a selfie posted online with the intention to solicit sexual attention. Queerness is a hashtag, not a destination. To see something as queer, to read it as such, is seeing, tied with knowledge and perception. A perception and knowledge tied with unusual knots of interpretations or predicaments, uncertain. 
Call it a science and double tap the praxis. A queer thirst trap is seeing desirability and detestability in the one body at exactly the same time. A hand any other than my own is a crisis. The textures of my body vary with who owns the touch. Not how I am touched, but by whom. Where I feel soft, expansive flesh, it could be that someone else can feel that flesh rescinding over bone. A lover in my bed curls their arms around my neck and pulls my body close to theirs, and I smile against their cheek, although all I can think of is how my body is postured, in what ways I can contort my limbs to make them appear leaner, to suck my stomach in while making sure I appear to be in complete comfort. Desire and anxiety, not one masquerading as another, but both happening at the same time. Starvation dilates temporality. A body getting smaller pushes time outwards, warped and jellied, inny, outy, fleshy. Seconds drag when your stomach is empty. Passing time snags itself on a thought, I'm hungry, what to do, and it holds you there, a shirt sleeve caught on a branch. Claudia Rankin writes that a poem is like a handshake. It says, hello, this is me, and hands that declaration of self to another. There are men who don't shake hands. They take a limp wrist and squeeze. On days where seconds grab and time drags, I take my phone and scroll Instagram, ride the feed and make legitimate the image. Bart wrote that when he knew he was being photographed, his awareness and posturing and posing would already transform his body into an image before any click or whir of the camera. This transformation is an active one. I feel that the photograph creates my body or mortifies it, according to its caprice. But again, in front of the lens, I am at the same time the one I think I am, the one I want others to think I am, the one the photographer thinks I am, and the one he makes use of to exhibit his art. Scroll the feed and traverse flesh, devastating hotness, become witness to a body on screen and sidle up to it, take shape around it. A thirst trap, a selfie posted online with the intention to solicit sexual attention. A thirst trap, a sexy handshake, a mediated hello this is me, followed by a sly wink, tongue placed in cheek. A thirst trap, I've scrolled past, seen, but never posted or posed, never corralled me, the desirable with me, the detestable, my caprice is mortifying. Jody Dean writes that selfies exist in that weird digital in-between of instant and forever. Bodies quivering in the present, bristling with past and future, not a commemoration or a memorial, but a snagging of the ephemeral. Dean argues that selfies are not pictures of people, but pictures of a social practice. Less of who is photographed, but how and why. To consider the selfies a singular image removed from the larger practice of sharing selfies is like approaching a magazine through one word and one issue. A selfie is a photo of the selfie form, the repetition of a repeated practice. And yet the thirst trap, is this a reproduction of form, a setting of prescribed desire worked and yielded, the repetition of a repeated practice where the doing is the being, a selfie is what a selfie does, has a touch of the Judith Butler, methinks. Gender is a kind of imitation for which there is no original. In fact, it is a kind of imitation that produces the very notion of the original as an effect and consequence of the original itself. 
A nude body in the sexual act is still not fully disclosed. It is a sight waiting to be uncovered through tactility, tacit repeated touch, touching feeling that is temporal, thick and nowness. I've never felt like this before. But a hand, any other than my own, is a crisis. You have a beautiful body, he says, the first time we sleep together. I stammer, try and smile. Every time after, there is the knowledge of that first time, his enunciation, but it is slippery, won't stick to me. A thirst trap is the sexual present throwing itself into the sexual future. The solicitation of sex via the image invokes its possibility. Resistance has a history, though that history may remain obscured by centuries of accumulated discourses. Comb through, pick, pilfer, the debris of excess uncontainable by hetero history, carry it with me, bandana in my back pocket. Starving anorectic bodies lose their libido, but the absence of sexual desire is a presence still. The queer nightclub, the dating profile, tie themselves to a temporality that moves toward circles around the sexual encounter. To be in a sexual time, in a sexual place, traverse flesh, devastating hotness, but to not want sex isn't the non-sexual taking shape around the sexual, but is to be an anomaly within it. Inny, outy, fleshy. If, say Dean, a thirst trap is a photo of a form, a form of desire where desire is the form, then is the queer thirst trap a variant or subgenre or glitch or rupture? Touching, feeling, posting, posturing, throwing and holding. A, thir- a queer thirst trap is what it does. Slough of bodies, desirable, detestable, being in time, mortified. Uh, so the next thing I'm going to read is a, um, a piece that was commissioned for the Dead End Film Festival. It's happening in a few weeks. It's called Blood is Blue. Teenagers on the Gold Coast used to go and get drunk on the beach. I was one of them. Mix sweet red wine with Coke and drink and drink and wake up with sand and grit in the back of your gums. Bring a little radio and sit it in an empty glass to make it louder. My friends would skinny dip and I'd stay on the shore because I didn't want to take my clothes off. See their bodies get smaller and smaller as they waded into the black ocean. They'd say I didn't want to take my clothes off because I had a tiny dick. I'd get that lump in my throat I still get sometimes. Blood is blue until it hits oxygen. Bodies of water are blue because they see the sky. One of these beach nights, a guy runs up out of nowhere and says, which one of you faggots pushed my girlfriend, but there's no one else around. We say we don't know what he's talking about, but it takes a while to talk him down. His nose is bleeding and the blood is all over his mouth and chin. It's shiny and wet and the same color as the sky. Um, And the last thing I'm going to read is a little poem uh, that's called A Skin Is Not A Boundary. A skin is not a boundary. You perspire, you microbe, wet, sate, transmutable desire. A body houses... Bacteria work the gut. The chlamydia, he said, was likely there, but the cells procured from my blood, my urine, my rectum, said wasn't. Give credence, run as co-star to esoteric auras. Give credence to the shape of you. Loosen its tenacity. Know that a body's edges are perforated. 
Stray hairs and flakes of skin lay on pillows across the city. A body spreads its edges erstwhile. A skin is not a boundary. What a toll. I find this remarkable still. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, James. Um, next, we're going to hear from Sam Peterson and Nunzio Madden. Um, oh, the rocket's taken off. Um, I'm going to start with reading something from Sam's website, which is a gorgeous bio and also a poem in itself, I think. I'm interested in what can be done with one's identity and the space around it, both my body and mind, touching everyday feelings between the rational, the playful, and the political. Of course, this is often to do with my disability and my sexuality. My work has been focused on access and the lack of it to places, people's minds, and opportunities. I find plasticine is a great subverter of space and potentially of people's minds. And the continued flexibility of it is something I'm really enjoying, covering or filling up gaps and playing with crevices. But I'm finding that my work is drawing more and more to spoken word as a powerful format. Uh, Anunzio Madden is a Slovenian Australian artist and musician. Madden, gra uh, Madden graduated from uh, the Victorian College of Arts with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in 2014 and Fine Arts Honours in 2015. Since graduating, Madden has exhibited nationally and internationally a lot. Um, <laughs> please make them both welcome. Most of the time, people don't realize they are being patronizing or being patronized. Like when people say, good girl. Good being an unhelpful binary value judgment and girl being the juvenile form of woman which is condescending when used to refer to an adult. It is the combination of the two words and the act of bestowing it that is supremely patronizing. Bestowing it on me as a way of saying nothing more is to be said. Nothing more is to be said. I would say it's infantilizing, only I don't believe children should be spoken to like that either. And most of the time they do not know me so them assuming a gender is wrong of them. I am a woman, but you haven't asked me. Again not valuing my existence. Most people feel that the word woman is rude to call someone. Most of the time people don't realize they are being patronizing or being patronized. Like when people say, good girl. Good being an unhelpful binary value judgment and girl being the juvenile form of woman which is condescending when used to refer to an adult. It is the combination of the two words and the act of bestowing it that is supremely patronizing. Bestowing it on me as a way of saying nothing more is to be said. Nothing more is to be said. I would say it's infantilizing, only I don't believe children should be spoken to like that either. And most of the time they do not know me so them assuming a gender is wrong of them. I am a woman, but you haven't asked me. Again not valuing my existence. 
Most people feel that the word woman is rude to call someone. Storing it on me as a way of saying nothing more is to be said. Nothing more is to be said. I would say it's infantilizing, only I don't believe children should be spoken to like that either. And most of the time they do not know me so them assuming a gender is wrong of them. I am a Most of the time people don't realize they are being patronizing or being patronized. Like when people say, good girl. Good being an unhelpful binary value judgment and girl being the juvenile form of woman which is condescending when used to refer to an adult. It is the combination of the two words and the act of bestowing it that is supremely patronizing. Bestowing it on me as a way of saying nothing more is to be said. Nothing more is to be said. I would say it's infantilizing, only I don't believe children should be spoken to like that either. And most of the time they do not know me so them assuming a gender is wrong of them. I am a woman, but you haven't asked me. Again not valuing my existence. Most people feel that the word woman is rude to call someone. Good girl. Most of the time people don't realize they are being patronizing or being patronized. Like when people say, good girl. Good girl. Good being an unhelpful binary value judgment and girl being the juvenile form of woman which is condescending when used to refer to an adult. It is the combination of the two words and the act of bestowing it that is supremely patronizing. Bestowing it on me as a way of saying nothing more is to be said. Nothing more is to be said. I would say it's infantilizing, only I don't believe children should be spoken to like that either. And most of the time they do not know me so them assuming a gender is wrong of them. I am a woman, but you haven't asked me. Again not valuing my existence. Most people feel that the word woman is rude to call someone.
Most of the time people don't realize they are being patronizing or being patronized. Like when people say, good girl. Good being an unhelpful binary value judgment and girl being the juvenile form of woman which is condescending and used to refer to an adult. It is the combination of the two words and the act of bestowing it that is supremely patronizing. Bestowing it on me as a way of saying nothing more is to be said. Nothing more is to be said. I would say it's infantilizing, only I don't believe children should be spoken to like that either. And most of the time they do not know me so them assuming a gender is wrong of them. I am a woman, but you haven't asked me. Again not valuing my existence. Most people feel that the word woman is rude to call someone. Most of the time people don't realize they are being patronizing or being patronized. Like when people say, good girl. Good girl. make a start on next people doing things. Um, next up we have Dana Mitchell, um, wonderful poet. I've been lucky enough to see her read a whole bunch of times and hear again. Um, a wonderful bio too. In her attempts to reconcile the problem of the self as alien, Dana writes about the search for meaning in the trivial and common occurrences of her daily life. Please make Dana welcome. Um, is this, am I, I'm always worried I'm too short. I feel like the mic's always here, but it's not, it's right there. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Solidarity. Um, I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing this, but, ooh, I was nervous doing a poetry reading during Mercury Retrograde. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck am I going to say if someone gives me a mic? Oh, hey, Ander. <laughs> um, okay. I might take this off. Is that Okay. Okay. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> All right. The first one's called From the Inside. I leave half full coffee cups in different rooms, hoping its aroma will keep me awake. Notice how I said half full, not half empty? Yeah, that was an accident. I've pigeonholed myself as a positive one, so now crying at parties is off the table for me. One time I got geared up to cry on the train, then as soon as it felt right, the girl next to me started crying. It's true. I felt so upstaged, like there was just something in the air that day and all my problems were fake. She really went for it. 
trying to make it home without getting upset again, I see bird's wings stuck to the road, one part of the wing still semi-raised in retaliation. I imagine its body rolling around in a tyre must feel like what it feels like to try calling you after 11pm on a weeknight. Hear you say, hello, as if you don't have caller ID. Just to hear me say, oh, hey, like I wasn't the one who made the call. When we said goodbye for good that time, we timed it wrong. When we turned around heading our separate ways, we only caught the sight of each other's backs. Your back looked nice. I don't know what you thought of mine. You have my email. Taking that off was a mistake. <laughs> I, just, I just thought I was going to drop it. Okay. Thank you. Oh, I've got a bad habit of doing an American accent. Sorry. All right. <laughs> so this is a kind of old one, but I feel like it still feels relevant <laughs> to everything. Okay. It's called scene. I swear I like parties. I've mentioned two parties. <laughs> and it sounds like I'm having a bad time, please don't stop inviting me to those parties. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> also, I'm short-sighted, so I'm going to take these off. You can see me, but I can't see you. Okay. It's called Scene. We get to the party. Everyone's too far gone to even notice I've already broken a glass. I swirl a cup of mystery dregs sauce from the abandoned kitchen. Some girl tells me how edgy it'd be if we took all our clothes off. I don't want an orgy here. I'd rather do my taxes here. Then I'd be impressed, emerging from a swamp of indulgence with some financial skill. I wipe my lipstick off in the bathroom, noticing how I suddenly recognise myself. I blink twice with what my mum calls almond eyes, but what my ex-best friend the narcissist called dirt brown. I can't escape the truth that I hold characteristics. I miss thinking I didn't have a face. The only person I wanted to see tonight is ignoring me by the DJ booth. I feel like a walking parody of a reality we'd laugh at. I wish I could pass the time at a party reliving my entrance to it. Everyone's so happy when you arrive, but for the event's duration, you simply decorate the room. If I was a party decoration, I think I'd be a banner with a spelling error on it. Happy Bith Day. Congratulations, bon voyage. Okay, I have two more. I fucking stop doing an American accent. It's a really bad habit, my whole family do it. I don't know, okay. <laughs> okay. This one's called coupling. Um, today I heard a new coupling of words that I like. Callous sentimentalist. The coupling hurts because it's true. I remember us kissing on the tram once we knew it was empty. How it happened naturally, like dusting your shoulders of dead skin. Brushing our lips past each other we knew wanting well. I wish I could live in the moment of wanting and receiving. To be given, to be a gift. To have something someone wants is a sweet way of being something someone needs. I need to be held when I'm sad. You need to be sad to be held. I don't mind waiting. Amongst charity and loyalty, I heard patience was a symptom of true love. Drinking wine out of a mug, thinking of you. I feel I've just booked myself into a centre for the lonely. I'm churning through this heartache like a sinner listing sins whilst a priest bites his nails. I want to unfold dirty napkins and remember devouring you. You wouldn't understand that. You're not like me at all. You're a whole new sound. 
I've heard the breaking of barriers. They sound like the hazy I love you's mornings after wishing to be the hum in that noise you keep hearing. I'd like to be memorable, memorable, but you can't seem to find the source of this longing tune. Put it down to impulsive I love you's. Put it down to a clogged up sink. Put it down to virtue, hiding in the bathroom, breathing in and out. I love you so much, even when I grab the drawer of your sink, I feel something. I flaunt how I feel. It's something silk catching the light. My body won't wear silk, but it does bend for you. Silk doesn't bend for me, but it catches the light for you. Notice me slumbering steadfast in my loneliness. Notice me living this conscious uncoupling. I'll bury the champagne glasses in the sink. I'll leave lipstick on your wrist trying to swallow your heartbeat. With you on the bed springs, the weight of you is red wine down my neck, pouring rich flavour. My skin softens, the lights dim. You purr, I'm callous, you disappear, I'm sentimental. The last one's a real recent one, and it's like really angry. <laughs> well, it's not angry, but it's messy, and it's called mess. And I'm gonna do it again because I don't—I I make mistakes all the time. I regret nothing. I'm gonna hold the mic. No, I'm not. <laughs> I realized I had to turn the page. That would be a disaster. <laughs> Thank you again for having me. This is really nice. Oh, it's so many. This is so nice. So many people here. <laughs> wow. Okay. Make sure I don't trip on the lead. Okay. All I want to do is make a mess. I want to be covered in fucking filth. I want it to be really not all right, like you're eating soup and I take your bowl and pour it over my head. But the soup's like Polish or whatever, so it's like cold, cold beetroot. Borscht is the name, can be served hot or cold all over my fucking face. Like, it's a crime. Like, I won't be able to revisit this because it's just so horrible. And you want to, like, make it stop, but I've started by going too far. I have nothing to lose. More filth. I said more filth, please. Put it all on the card. I don't care about the surcharge. I'm slicking my hair back with scrambled tofu, corn chips in my socks, tzatziki hands hand cream. I wouldn't mind if you slapped my face with an eggplant parmigiana. Does parmesan pair well with a revisit of my teen angst? How's melted cheese atop the eight times I cut myself in one night? Delicious. Five whiskey highballs poured over me and I'm 15 again. No, make that five skinny bitches. That's a fun name for vodka sodas. Watching calories is a funny thing that cute girls do. Crunching lettuce beneath my closed fist. Can you shove croutons down my top and tell me I'm Caesar salad? Lady Caesar salad, refer to me as such. Queen of the house, most garlicky in all the land. Bacon bits in my hair, whole chicken breast down my top. Caesar fucking salad, cunt. Do you hear me? Is this getting through to you? Why is everyone afraid to fuck close up and the worry ends there? No restraint in fucking me up, the worry ends there. And begins again when you actually hurt me. Full fuck me up and it's filthy. And you worry that I'm out and when I see our mutuals, I'm going to make you look bad. Thank you.
Way into sound. Um, thanks everyone for coming. We could do another clap for everyone who performed, I reckon. Um, stick, stick around for a bit, chat to each other. Uh, if you can pile your cups near the sink, I love washing them, so put them there. And, um, yeah, thank you. Until next time. Oh, there's also four of the books left which has text if it's been read today so you can race to that if you haven't got one